You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. This episode is brought to you by RoastersMarketplace.com. What is this website, though? It's basically like a Steam store for your coffee. You can get all kinds of different coffee. Uh, going by a roast, so like light, medium, or dark roast, or by region. And uh, if you go to roastersmarketplace.com, pick a bag, and use the code GAMER, G-A-M-E-R, you get free shipping off of your first order. So go to roastersmarketplace.com, pick up a bag, and use the code GAMER to get free shipping off your first order. Welcome to Super Arrogant Bros, recorded on July 13th, 2020. I am Dirk, and with me is my uh, my co-host, Stev. Hello. <laughs> it's we've got me. This, we've got this delay since we're on Discord, but for this week, we also want to uh, welcome a special guest of ours, Mrs. Lori Foster. How you doing? Hey, guys. Hey. So, do you want to give an introduction about yourself uh, and Unlikely Heroes Studios? Uh, sure. I am a comic inker, an editor, and I own Unlikely Heroes Studios. It's an indie comic publishing company. Perfect. Okay. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into the Games of the Week. Games of the Week. So for this for this week, I decided to bring in, well, a, a game that I shat on for quite a while, which is called uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. I might have shat on it a lot for being boring, but the powers that be of dad gaming have been drawing <laughs> me back into this game. <laughs> So I may find myself just gambling out in the old Wild West. And uh, I'm only like a few hours into this, but playing this on a 4K TV and being able to just get uh, engrossed into the entire setting, uh, it's kind of incredible, actually. So Yeah, I I told you, I told you, I told you, and what did you do? You, 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 you... Realize how glorious this game can be. It's so atmospheric. It's so it's so beautiful in certain parts of the game, and it's like I I told you over and over again. You had to give it a chance. You have to give it a chance. And however, now that you gave it a chance, however, well, it's the perfect game to play during a pandemic, isn't it? Oh, it's 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 amazing. I I remember actually sitting down while uh, I think I actually had the day off. Coincidentally. While playing Red Dead, and it's just, I remember sitting at a train station and playing cards. No, I was playing dominoes, which is a bunch of these old dudes that are just sitting at the train station, just just playing dominoes. And I'm I'm playing it, and I'm getting I'm getting like two or three bucks out of all of that. And then I, you know, get up to ten bucks. I'm like, yeah, there we go. I just 
got them out of all of their money. I feel good. Oh, what time? It is three in the morning. Uh, he started playing this around ten. Uh, all right, I've I've spent the last three to four hours just playing nothing but dominoes. I might have that happen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm gonna be able to just talk about more about this game as I keep progressing through it because, like, I'm not really as far in depth enough to give a, a two year retro view at this point, but I do want to talk about, about this game a little bit more as the, uh, the time goes on. So Stev, what do you have for us this week? Uh, honestly, I've been playing a little bit of uh team fight tactics. Those of you that don't know what team fight tactics is, it's basically this auto chess game uh, that uses a lot of the league of legends characters. And it's a fun little game that you can just kind of have running casually while you're doing something else. Like for me, putting together models and painting, it's usually a game that I just kind of sit down and I just kind of let it run. And what it is that you're supposed to build a team of champions to go up against these other players. I think it's about what eight players, that, seven players that you're supposed to be going up against. And the goal is just to get into the top three. And I thought that, you know, it's a fun little game to kind of, kind of just, play in the background like every once in a while you'll pick someone that you think looks cool put it on your bench and then throw it out there and it's i don't know i just i kind of like it it's a little bit better than just sitting around and doing just just focusing on models i need something to also catch my my attention as well okay and Lori, you have one for this week um, yeah, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I was a huge fan of the original game. It was kind of just it came out at the perfect time for me. Um, so I was in for the remake like a dork. Um, I I like it. I like revisiting it. Um, there's a couple things about it that annoy the shit out of me, though. Have you guys played it at all? I've I never only, really got the chance to. <laughs> yeah, I've only done the demo for the remake. And as far as the original goes, I never got past the first disc. <laughs> That's the All majority right, gotcha. of players, though. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, it's... Well, the demo... Did you enjoy the demo? Kinda. Yeah. Like, there's aspects of it that are cool, and there's aspects of the combat that are super frustrating in the actual game... Um, something that really annoys me is like they spent so much time making this and like the NPCs are the NPCs look like they're like 10 years ago and they recycled textures from like older Final Fantasy games. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but yeah, it's like the your main character looks beautiful and like HD or whatever the fuck, but it, like anyone in the background just looks like Ooh. weird and like their textures are low res and like I don't know what happened or what they did and why they haven't fixed it. Oh, okay. Okay. That's oh, man, I don't think I like that. Yeah, it's 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 driving me crazy. It bothers me. It it's basically like you're playing Final Fantasy Seven, but there's like Sims in the background like it's oh, trash pudgy, pudgy graphics my favorite sort of graphics exactly <laughs> well can you compare the the gameplay and especially the combat to final fantasy 15 because um like when, when i tried playing final fantasy 15 i couldn't get into it because of the combat system and i'm noticing the same thing for seven remake but they feel very similar to me 
Yeah, they do. Uh, they fix the camera a bit in Final Fantasy VII Remake because in 15 it was extremely frustrating. Like the camera would go in extremely stupid places and it would do really dumb shit. Uh, they fix that a bit for Seven, but it's still really frustrating. Um, they, you basically you can you can choose to control whoever you want and you can switch between them. But while you're not controlling people, they do really dumb shit and it's extremely frustrating. So either like you have to sit there and like constantly switch between your characters or just accept that everyone else in your party is an idiot. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling way too much. You may have hurt me a little bit by saying that. Yeah, I know that feeling. I've played Divinity Original Sin bruh i've played i've played uh what's it uh dragon's dogma and oh christ don't remind me the pawn system yeah the pawn system in that game don't get me wrong i like i like customizing your own companions it makes it feel a little bit better for me i guess but at the same time it's like i don't need you to cast healing magic i need you to kill this man because we're all gonna die if okay well she's going off in that direction i guess Mm -hmm. yeah Exactly, uh, and, it, it, <laughs> and it becomes like I don't know if some people like like that micromanaging, but like I just I just kind of want to play one character, and I want other people mm-hmm. to do like just the minimum that yeah. they need to do for their class, and like they're not doing that, and it's really frustrating. Yeah, just yeah, do their you, jobs. Yeah. Yes, you're trying to play your hero. You're not trying to play everyone else's hero. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good good selection, Lori. So with that, let's go ahead and get into the gaming news. Gaming news. So, Stev, uh, you brought up something that uh, caught our interest as far as the Warhammer 40K community goes. What did you find, buddy? So remember how I was talking about in uh, in, in in yesterday's episode, um, talking about scalpers in the Warhammer 40k community and how they're starting to buy up all of these uh, all of these Indominus starter boxes, right? Yeah. Well, as it turns out, Games Workshop caught on to that and they said to themselves, "You know what? If you do want, if you do want that box set, just order it at your local game store, order it online. We will make it for you." That's that's kind of really big, especially for people that really want to play the game. That's pretty like, huge. Yes, that's amazingly huge. Yeah. That's so... Uh, God, what's the term for this? Uh, consumer friendly. I it's really so, love this. Yes, I... Oh, God, you, you don't understand. There were so many people that just... Again, I, um, I heard that apparently the Games Workshop website went down again because of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That feels good. That feels gratifying in, in, in many places because it's like there were people that were really looking forward to this Indominus set. There were people that were really looking forward to the new uh, Necron models that were coming out and new Space Marine models. They wanted to get the they wanted to get their hands on it, and but they couldn't because the scalpers just decided to say, "Hey, I'm going to make a quick buck on this and not care about anything else." So it feels good. And I'm reading through the Warhammer community post about this, and I'm not seeing any mentions about scalpers. Of course, they're not going to mention it. And that's good. That's actually pretty nice here. So what they're doing is they're saying, hey, buddy, 
you missed out, uh, quote from the website, here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to be making Indominus available as a made-to-order item for a limited sale. And so by doing this, and without even mentioning or giving attention to the scalpers, it really gives a good finger to them. Oh, it definitely does. Like, golly mighty. Mm-hmm. It feels good. It feels really good. Yeah. To all of a sudden, just like see these scalpers just lose tons of money. And now they have their own box set now. <laughs> <laughs> they have three to four of these damn things now, and they don't know what to do with it because they don't play the hobby. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It, it feels good. Like if it, there was it, some. It feels good. If there was some way of, uh, of giving the same kind of finger to like ticket scalpers, because uh, it's still a pretty bad problem in the the metal community. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible. Oh yeah. yeah. Have you had that experience, Lori? <laughs> uh, no, not personally. I've just watched it happen. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It feels bad because you know that the that the people that really want those tickets they'll pay they'll pay they'll they'll pay an arm and a leg in order to get into their favorite concerts. Yeah, and you just it feels so bad. It, it's exploitive. It just, yeah, it's exploitive, and it it hurts. It hurts to see these people just get away with it. Yeah, so really it, it feel it feels good to see that you know what these people are finally. They're they're getting their ju- they're they're getting their due finally. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for bringing that in, Stev. With that, let's go ahead and get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week. So for this week, we decided to ask our friend Lori to uh, come into the studio with us and uh, talk about unlikely heroes studios unfortunately with her living all the way in uh uh aren't you yeah you're not anywhere near close to us here so we had to do discord instead but thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with us about uh who you are and what you do so um i guess can you give some history about unlikely heroes basically the company started uh let me think probably 2010 uh, with Zach Dolan and a guy named Justin Pyatt, and they just basically like reunited after a while. Um, <clears throat> uh, after high school, they were high school buddies, and they wanted to make a comic together. Um, and I'll like shorten this story up, but uh, they hired me as an inker a couple of years later, and I kind of just help them figure their shit out and grow. And now I own the company. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, and don't worry about shortening things up for us here. I mean, we, we love the details. We love the history yeah. of artists and, and what they do. So uh, can you tell me, uh, how did you get into doing inking? Basically, uh, I was doing just kind of some illustration work and graphic design work. Um, but I always really wanted to work in comics. So I started basically just practicing i found like pro pencils and downloaded them and started practicing inking them and started building my portfolio and i eventually just got hired (laughs) hey that's a good way of uh, putting it anyway Mm -hmm. so what what do you enjoy about doing the practice uh i'm trying that's a good question i'm trying to think of a way to describe it i don't know i like um just taking someone's pencils and making them better with inks um, I like making them more dynamic and adding just a whole level of 
coolness to them. And I, there's something about like super meticulous detailed pages that I really like, which is probably weird, but and yeah. uh, from from what I've seen, uh, your husband Eric also does the lettering for your comics. Yeah, he does. He helps with editing. He does lettering. Um, he makes all of our Kickstarter videos as well, and does all the music for them. Okay. And when it comes to uh, to getting the comics done, and like when it comes to even uh, just drawing or just inking it, what are some parts of the procedure that you feel like people don't quite? know about that you really appreciate so it's like when uh, when somebody has a has a craft that they're really honing or that they enjoy doing every day uh, like there's just certain parts of it that they love or there's certain satisfactions that they get from it i mean comics in general i think i feel like people don't realize how much effort and time goes into them um you know you have a penciler you have an inker you have a colorist you have a letterer you also have uh, a writer and you have an editor and you have a flatter and that's basically everyone that's going into this and they have to you know pass the pages and make it flow from one person to the next um i do feel for myself that inkers are kind of underappreciated because people don't realize like they think they just trace which is very common <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> Actually, I, I mean, the way that I've uh, looked at it is it's the inker is sort of what is able to breathe in more life into the drawings. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And depending on the pencil or two, um, like I've had to redraw panels. I've had to add items to them, you know, depending on the company and the process and the pencil or like it can be like the inker can actually be doing a lot of the drawing as well. Good, good. So yeah. what was the, the inspiration for starting the studio? Um, I think initially they just wanted to um, make a superhero book that was better than the shit that Marvel and DC were releasing. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there. And now it's kind of just like all of our series kind of revolve around unlikely heroes and we're kind of maintaining this theme as we go. And, and so how do you like the freedom from, uh, like you don't have to worry about being under the thumb of the big two. Like how, how do you like having this freedom of not having to uh, be under the pressure of these companies? Um, it's, I really like it for the most part. Um, I think what most people would be surprised to learn is that uh, big publishing companies will not even look at superhero properties they won't they refuse to even take submissions uh no matter how good they are <laughs> oh, wow. so yeah so if you actually want to release your own superhero comic you're kind of on your own um like no one image valiant like they won't look at it they don't care like they it'll even say on the website like no superhero submissions we don't because they don't want to compete with marvel and dc like it's not <laughs> yeah Oh, so wow, I I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Do you have any idea or any sort of guess as to why like Marvel and DC wouldn't take any submissions? Well, Marvel and DC specifically, I think they want to stick to the properties that they have and they're used to, which is in my opinion kind of annoying because I feel yeah. like they could benefit from, you know, something besides Batman. Mhm. Mm like the 400 millionth Batman comic, but you know, whatever. And then other companies, I think they just don't want to compete with them. Like I, they don't want to mess around with, with superheroes. I don't know. It's bizarre to me. 
Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, like I can think of sort of reasonings for myself here. It's like if I run a record company and I want to be able to find talent, I don't want to get just flooded with with so much mail from people that are trying to promote themselves. I want the the cream of the crop here. And so I'm assuming that like Marvel and DC were having that same kind of thinking. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it to submit to Marvel or DC is very difficult. Um, they like to, uh, they'll hold stuff kind of like in person. You have to go to a convention and actually speak to a person and show them your port. It's, it's an unbelievable hassle. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, when it comes to the the heroes that people create themselves, um, why don't we have you give us an introduction to some of the characters that uh, that you and the and the studios work with here? You had us check out Super. It's a crime fighting team, and can you tell us a little bit about the characters and and some of their story? Super centers around a group of kind of misfit superheroes who are trying to like rise above their mediocrity. <laughs> Okay. And pro- and prove themselves in like a world where basically everyone's a superhero. Um and um the main group is basically we have Blitz, we have Silhouette, we have the Fire Ant, we have uh the Lush, uh Max Archer, Adventure Man Zero, and Blood Death. Um and I can just give you a quick uh run through of them if you want it. Yeah, feel free to. Because what I'm trying to do is uh give some extra exposure to you guys because I'm going to have some listeners that don't know who these characters are because no, not as many people are bringing this to their faces. Yeah. And they need to be. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we do this then? Can you tell us uh, like what, uh, like, can, you, can you maybe pick out a favorite character that you have from this uh, team of heroes and why is it lush? <laughs> well um the unquenchable lush is kind of a well i'm sure you guys are familiar with the incredible hulk um the unquenchable lush is similar he gets uh super strength and kind of turns into a monster but he has to be drunk to do it i feel it feels relatable yeah, I was about to say, Dirk, are you are you relating with this character right now? <laughs> well, look, I'm just saying that certain parts of my okay, it's like when when Tool fans talk about how <laughs> marijuana will unlock certain parts of your brain. Th- that's the same way with alcohol. It does that right. for me. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Uh, we also have a character called the Streak, and if you're familiar with the Flash, uh, again, he's similar to the Flash, but he has to be naked. Right. So uh, the the Streak is on the sex offender registry. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so with with all these characters, then who was the main driving force behind creating these characters? Like. Uh, were these like Zach characters? Uh, yeah, these are everything was basically created and written by Zach Dolan. Yeah, got it. And yeah. uh, as as I understand, uh, he is no longer with us. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. He passed away last year, and we're all kind of still in shock. <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, um, we've had to adjust as a company because he, you know, he co-owned it and co-ran everything and wrote all of our stuff. So it's been an adjustment. What has the challenge been like so far for uh, creating more 
comic content without him? Well, it's been a struggle to hire because he, you know, he drew and wrote Super. Um, so, so far, Super has been on pause um, while we figure out what to do. Uh, the Surgeon, we already had a writer, so we had to find a new artist, uh, which was definitely a struggle. We had to go through quite a few candidates and try to find someone. Like, no one will ever, like, their style will never match sex, but we tried to get someone who just convey the same kind of emotion and, you know, worked, worked their ass off basically. <laughs> right. You want someone yeah. with the same passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I, I, I can definitely tell that some of these characters, like the, the, the one, the one that I, the one storyline that I like the most had to have been the one about red star. And it's just, it's this guy that's just straight out of time, like literally just kind of, plucked out of uh out of god when uh well for those of you that haven't read the comic um red star is basically this arch nemesis of one of the older of one of the older uh one of those older supers that is in a nursing home right now and it's just i don't know why i just really like the storyline of this guy that is just he, he is out of his time period and everything around him has changed and he's just he hasn't come to that realization yet until finally he sees his arch nemesis being just, you know, kind of old. He's not decrepit or anything like that. It's just that he's changed. And it's just, it was, it was, it was nice to kind of read those sorts of stories to see that, you know, time changes everything and time changes the perception of everything, I guess. But it, I liked it because I saw all of the old superheroes and I just, I don't know why I thought, I thought that that storyline was just hilarious. Nice. Yeah. It's that whole like golden age of, yeah. of superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you have a Kickstarter that was uh, just started last week, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So we launched uh, exactly a week ago, actually. Oh, got it. Got it. And this is related to the surgeon. Now the surgeon was actually the first comic that I knew of that you worked on. And uh, it actually did catch my attention when he started posting about it. What was it back in? Maybe it was a, it was about 2018 where I decided, OK, I'll go ahead and uh, just pick up an issue for my tablet and, and check it out here. And uh, can you tell us about the surgeon, about the main character and, and some of her story as well? Sure. Yeah. Um, so basically it's set 15 years after the world falls apart. So very uh, prescient. <laughs> um, and uh, the main character is Dr. Hanover, um, who is basically trying to balance her calling as a healer with the necessity of killing people. And she's discovering that she's very good at killing people. Okay. <laughs> So it's my character in Fallout every single time I play. Got ya. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, how far are we in the series with the surgeon? Like, how many issues do we currently have? Uh, we have two that are done, and this Kickstarter is for the third issue. Okay. And uh, what's been what's the response like so far for the Kickstarter? Um, it's been, uh, see, I was really nervous to launch it because of everything going on right now. I didn't know how people were going to react. Um, uh, but it's actually been going really well. We're only about 500 bucks short from the goal right now. Oh, good. 
<laughs> yeah, and everyone seems really excited, really pumped. Uh, I, I guess they're all bored and at home and wanting to read something new, which is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic, actually. When does the Kickstarter end? It'll be August 5th. Okay, so that's actually a good amount of time that you, that you guys have then, just for the $500. So I, yeah. I, I think if we keep pushing it, like you're going to exceed that goal, too. Um, yeah, ideally we do. Uh, we have a bunch of really cool stretch goals planned. Um, if we do make enough money, what we do, and we did this with the first issue Kickstarter as well, um, if we make enough money, we will also promise everyone issue four and send it to them. So like, it's not like we're just taking all this extra money and like, you know, rolling around naked in it. Like we're going to make another book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just to entice us then, like, what's the the goal to make it so that the fourth issue can happen? Um, that is a great question, and I probably should have known that answer before talking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to say it's around fourteen thousand uh, to get both books made, and that would, but that would of course count like both books getting made and then getting shipped to everyone with all of the other stuff we're producing the, you know, the enamel pins, the art prints, the, uh, we're doing a surgeon coin, uh, all of that stuff. Good, good. Okay. So what goes into the, the entire concept of being able to publish a comic book? Because I mean, it's, people say that or people tend to think that it's something that they can just whip up and get out there you find a publisher and then your your book is out there for everybody but there's a lot more to do with it can you maybe talk about the process of uh from point a to point b to getting the the physical books out there oh my goodness sure yeah um (laughs) look i mean i'm a very huge behind the scenes kind of guy so i i get wet over this (laughs) Awesome. No, that's good. I always like I talk about it to people and I think I bore them to death. So uh, (laughs) um, well, like I said, yeah, I mean, you're starting with a script, you're going to you're doing actually after the script, you're doing thumbnails. So kind of like a storyboard, and then you're doing pencils and then inks and then flats and then colors and then letters and then edits. Um, And then of course, um, setting up the book for print. <clears throat> which is also a specific skill set. Like, I don't think people realize that there's a way to set up a book in a layout so that it's printed properly and it, the pages aren't crooked and the colors print properly and they look vibrant. And I'm rambling, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, please ramble. <laughs> yeah, keep, like going. keep going. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, of course, you know, the whole press aspect of it and the social media aspect of it and doing a Kickstarter. I have a lot of people who see us run a Kickstarter and then think they can just like jump right in and run one and make 10 grand and like they're just set and like it's really not that easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There's a lot, there's been a lot of just work like building a newsletter to tell people about it. And then of course, the more successful Kickstarter campaigns you have, like the more people you're in contact with. Um, You know, we have press releases that we have to write um for our kickstarters like i was talking about earlier we actually make a video um that isn't just a jackass sitting in front of a cell phone um we like to use like pages from the comic and kind of animate them and we hire a voice actor and we make music for them and like we actually put effort into it so it's sort of like a movie trailer for the book okay yeah and then yeah and then in terms of 
Uh, we get it printed, and then, of course, we have to ship it to everyone. Um, we also uh, publish the digital book on comicsology, so it has to be set up uh, very specifically for them. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything. Um, for graphic novels, uh, you have to purchase an ISBN, and you have to make sure that's on the book if you want your book to go into stores or onto Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anything like that. It has to be set up in a very specific way. <clears throat> uh, you can't do that with individual issues of a comic because they count as sort of a magazine. It's like a periodical, so you can't buy an ISBN for them, so they have to be sold kind of a different way. <laughs> okay. Okay, that actually like that should help people bring a lot more appreciation to the process overall so what do you think helps you guys stand out to other indie developers or indie publishers well first of all at least what people have told us um what makes us stand out is what we do looks professional it can stand up to the big three um it's lettered professionally it's colored professionally um unfortunately as an editor like I've seen a lot of submissions, like we actually have an anthology that we take submissions for. And like, unfortunately, sometimes you see some submissions and they look like they were drawn in MS paint and they're lettered with Comic Sans, like as the font. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And like, just kind of stuff like that. Like you'd be surprised, like you just, and it's unfortunate because like a lot of this information, like you can find it online. Um, like there's a lot of cheap like resources to learn how to letter and learn how, like, even if you can't hire a professional because you might not have the money, like you can like, like my husband letters, like he learned how to do it on the internet. <laughs> um, you can put the effort in and kind of figure it out and learn. And like the indie communities, like I try to help people all the time. If they ask me questions, like I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, but yeah, I think, sorry, I'm rambling again, but yeah, I think that really, it unfortunately sets us apart from a lot of indie companies because we really like make that effort to make things professional. I mean, well, you guys looked at our comics, like, what do you think? Well, to be honest, yeah, I do think it looks professional. I do think that yes. the artwork is done, uh, extremely well. And, uh, I definitely will say that for the surgeon, I think that, uh, like I went to school for web technologies, but also an emphasis in graphics. And so I had to work with uh, with text. So you learn about things like kerning and the placement of text and, and it all it all matters. And people don't typically think about this because it, it's not pointed out to them, but their brain notices it. It's kind of like red letter media. It's like you didn't notice it, but your brain did. And so yes. it leaves a lot to appreciate for what you guys are doing for your work. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of stuff I mean too. like you'll see in the you know, in the indie comics, especially like, uh, with lettering, like you'll see like a giant bubble and the, the text is like in the middle of the bubble. And there's like half an inch of space around the text. And like, I see that and my eye twitches, like, it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, like when I started podcasting, it's like you, you, you teach yourself how to do all these different parts of the process. And so you teach yourself all these different parts of the process. And so when you're listening to other podcasts, you're you're starting to critique it to yourself based on what you're hearing. And you're like, no, no, don't do that with the audio. No, don't do that with the the uh, opening credits. And so, like, I feel like the same thing can be applied for working on comics anyway. 
Right. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same thing. And I, I'm sure like I can see you like listening to a podcast and like it sounds like crap and you're so frustrated or they're just, you know, rambling for way too long and there's no direction to topics like that mm-hmm. really frustrates me like that exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So that's why I appreciate the the comic publishers and the writers for what they do. And uh, so I, I've always wondered if a person wants to get into making a comic or design or, you know, uh, creating their own character and making stories off of it. What do you think you would advise someone that wants to, to get into this kind of field that you're in? Oh, um, <laughs> well, like I said, uh, do a lot of research and look at other people's books and, and, and also like give your, if you know people who are in the industry, like give your stuff to them and um, be okay with being critiqued. Um, I think that's really important. Again, as an editor, like I've had people come to me and I'll edit their script and then they'll ignore most of the edits. Um, Because there's just, and I don't know if this is in every field, but I've noticed in the comic field, like there's a lot of just, there's a lot of ego, like, like I designed this character. This is my character. It is the best character. I am the best writer, even though I've never written anything professionally, I am the best. Um, and then they refuse to listen to other people and get input. And like, I think it's really important to, <laughs> to not do that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I can totally see where you're coming from with that already. So let's go ahead and get you in, into the plugging here. Uh, plug what is currently going on. Uh, tell us, tell us about where we can find the Kickstarter, uh, where we can find your Facebook, give the details. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, we're currently running a Kickstarter for the surgeon issue three. You can get issues one and two on the Kickstarter if you need to catch up. Um, it's just uhstudios.com slash Kickstarter. Uh, so it should be pretty easy to find. And like I said, we're just short of the goal right now and we'd love to hit stretch goals and like give every stretch goal we hit, we give away more cool shit to everyone who backs. So there we go come on over and back it um in terms of social media uh we're just unlikely heroes studios on facebook at uh studios on twitter uh at uh studios official on instagram i think that's it (laughs) all right well thank you for that now and let's go ahead and open up to some q a so we've got uh, a, a good handful of people here in the discord uh not the arrogant media discord but it's in the unlikely hero studio discord and the old man your turn the old man uh, i don't i don't have any real questions i've been following uhs oh four years now um significant occurrence in my life uh, brought us together and they've been a great family to me and I for that they're all great people wonderful professionals so I don't have any questions for how did you find them um, a friend in England uh, from Kentucky Laura you know Adam of course, yeah. <laughs> Adam turned me on to um, UHS Studios. Uh, you know, I really am an old man, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I just started getting into this kind of comic, the indie comics, for the, well, for the last four years. Good. What do you like about indie comics? Um, the diversity. The just sometimes off-the-wall 
fun. Yeah. And it gives you the freedom to have that off the wall fun too. Yeah. I mean, as long as they're well done and you know, some of them do have messages, um, but a lot of them are done specifically for entertainment value, for fun, for those who enjoy reading comics. Oh yeah. And weirdo. If you want to un, if you want to unmute yourself and go and ask any questions you have, what's the like one thing that you've seen that made you go, "What the heck are they doing there?" <laughs> oh wow, hmm. I don't know if I should talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> for our anthology last year, we got a submission. I'm not going to say from who, but it was a scooby-doo porn parody excuse me <laughs> <laughs> and i i i <laughs> i was very professional and we declined the submission but in the like well, i had to show it to some of like the other uhs team members and like we just absolutely could not believe that it was a thing <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like like it was just some guy who was like you know i i did i'm gonna do and he did the entry for the anthology like it wasn't like a thing that he had already done that he submitted like he was like i know what i'm gonna make for you guys and he sent it to us and i just like i didn't know how to react yeah oh I mean, aside from the fact that I don't think we can publish a Scooby-Doo porn parody in a book legally. Yeah, that, that, that'd be kind of hard. Yeah. I mean, no, <laughs> no pun intended. All right. Hang on. Well, oh my God. Look, I mean, there, there's porn parodies everywhere. I can walk into my local adult store and I can pick up my own copy of This Is Not The Cosby's. This is a porn parody. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah it, it just yeah it really yeah it blew my mind that not only that did someone make that but they made it for our anthology like mm -hmm. I, huh. and there was not uh, anyway we don't need to go into detail about it. I'm going yeah, to no. stop now. <laughs> yeah, if you want to stop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> now we've got one more person to uh, to have to say hi here. Uh, Sarah, do you want to come say hi real quick? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I literally just plugged in my mic, so I wasn't even sure that it was set up right. <laughs> um, I, I, remember, I remember the Scooby-Doo one. And that was really special. It was it was special. <laughs> Sarah is a close friend of mine, and she works with us uh, as a graphic designer and uh, marketing person. And yeah, she was one of the first people I sent that to, so she got to see it. <laughs> well, Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about being a graphic designer and working with marketing, and just share your experience? I feel like Lori oversells what I do because mostly I just like I just bitch at her about crap that's happening in my life. <laughs> Look, I oversell I also... what I do when all I do is just <laughs> yell into a microphone. <laughs> I I also um, I mean I run the I, well I guess I don't run the Instagram but I kind of um, um, 
ma- manage it to to an extent. So uh, most of the stuff that goes on there, unless it's a promoted post, is um, is me taking what Lori posted on Facebook, well, uh, and, and and sticking it on Instagram. And sometimes I remix what we already have to put up something new. And um, as far as you know, marketing stuff. Um, it's, we don't, we don't really have a process, do we? We just kind of like Lori will come at me with, um, we have, you know, this problem. Do you know what you, do you know what we can do about it? And I'd be like, um, sure. And we've been make it happen. I, I, there was no process. There is no process. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the episode then. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Lori, thank you so much for taking the time to be able to do this with us. We had a, a great time with you. And we're uh, definitely excited to see what you're going to be doing in the future here and seeing the success of your Kickstarter campaign. Oh, thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, if you ever want to have me on again to bitch about games or talk about comics, I'm happy to. We would like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, thank you again for listening. If you want to support us, we have a couple ways. You can go to facebook.com slash arrogant media. Give us a follow there. And uh, if you want to financially follow, uh, help us out as well, we have patreon.com slash arrogant media for $5 per month to get access into the Discord server, come chat with us, and even hang out while we record our episodes. And until next time, fall damage. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast Shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network.